We invite the littlest ones to begin here on Christmas Eve, which means it's it's ruckus, it's distraction, and and most importantly, it's it's family and it's love, uh, because that's what Christmas is. God gave us His Son um, to enjoy His pleasure and His goodness and His life in Him. Uh, so as we sit in this room this evening and we listen to little ones chatter on and busy themselves, um, to me, it's just a reminder of the fact that this entire season is about a child, a very significant one at that. And I don't know what Christmas was to you when you were a little one. Um, I can remember very distinctly one Christmas. I mean, I, I don't want to come across as super spiritual. It's easy to think of the pastor as, you know, ever since day one, he was the guy that was all about the holy things of Christmas. And I can clearly remember um, I grew up in a city and I had the bedroom window that was on the, uh, was a big bayfront window that sat over the city street. And I remember that Christmas as an eight-year-old when it was snowing, when we got home from uh, church service. And all I could think about was how many presents were going to be under the tree for me. Um, but you know what? As, as years go by in us, things begin to take on different meaning. And uh, the value of Christmas really began to become solidified in me, I think, as a, as a young man, an older teenager and a young man, as I began to gain some perspective and, and began to understand God's Word a little bit more. And I took it a, a lot more seriously. So this week, as I was thinking, it's, it's an interesting week, uh, especially if you're a pastor, because you, you share on Christmas Eve and then you turn around on Christmas morning, which is the Lord's Day, and share again. And I, I always I knew what I wanted to share on Sunday morning, it was Christmas Eve that was a little more difficult. So um, I was just dwelling on some things this week, and, and one of the things that came to mind was this idea of what Christmas actually should be to us. And, and I want to scare you a little bit tonight, and then as I also encourage you. The two words that came to mind as I thought about what Christmas should be for us this year is the word gift and the word job. A job isn't a word you often hear when you think of Christmas Eve celebration and, and the birth of Christ, but we're told about three different parties on that precious night or that precious season that were privy to the birth of this amazing little baby, the one we call Emmanuel, God with us, God in flesh, the one that God, um, the one that volunteered in the heavenly realms to leave glory and put on the flesh of mankind and come into the world in such a humble state. The three parties privy to that birth, if you think about it, were his parents, obviously. And then we know that there were shepherds there that night. And we know that eventually there were wise men. We don't know how many. It could have been uh, two or it might have been ten. We're not sure. But we know that there were magi there that night. And we read about his parents and those shepherds in the very common Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And that's the first uh, biblical passage I want to share with you this evening. Let me read it with you. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. And you can just listen to the story again. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because 
he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known to the saying, that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So, we know of the parents and we know of the shepherds, but they're left out of Luke's Gospel. God uses a different light to shine another part of Christ's story in the form of the Magi or the wise men. And we read about that in the Gospel of Matthew. In the first 12 verses of chapter 2, this is what we're told about the wise men and their encounter with the Christ. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child and Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Joseph and Mary's life was pretty simple. You have, in the form of Joseph, you have a a lower, middle-class, blue-collar sort of fella 
living in a town of no great reputation, and his job was that of a carpenter. Uh, and in his, in his betrothed, Mary, we have a woman who probably a very young age, maybe at this point 13 years old, 14 years old, betrothed to him, meaning that she had set aside, there was a year, they were legally married, but she had a year in which she remained under her parents' roof until she would move in with her husband. During that time, she prepared herself as a, as a wife, as a, a keeper of the home, as someone who would rear children. That was, that was who they were. That was their job. A carpenter and a homemaker. Shepherds were lower class people. Lower than Mary and Joseph. Shepherds were the people that existed merely to perform a function. Had no real human value to them at all. Their job was to raise sheep. And as the seasons required... They would spend those long nights and those long cold nights out in the fields. They would watch over their sheep until the time had come. And in those fields outside of Bethlehem, as you come down off the hills of Jerusalem and into the valleys and then rise up again to the city of Bethlehem, there are hillsides and fields there. And and I can only imagine the shepherds sleeping there and bonding with their sheep and keeping warm at night by the fire that cold night, knowing that these sheep that they were raising were one day going to be the sheep that would be slaughtered for the purpose of sacrifice in the city of Jerusalem at the temple. That was their job, to raise sheep for sacrifice in the city of Jerusalem. And in some respects, they probably enjoyed their company of sheep more than they enjoyed their company of people. Now, The wise men, the magi, these guys are different. They're the intelligentsia. These are the academic types. These are the guys that you've probably met them in your life. They think they know know everything because they've read all the books. Uh, They're experts on what has happened, and they think they're experts on what is to come. They've studied the prophets. They've written a lot in their lives, and they've taught a lot for a living. That was their job, to read, to study, to teach, and to share. But on this night, as with us here this evening, their job description became unified. A young, lower middle class couple from a town of no reputation. Uh, Shepherds who kept no company with humans, but merely raised sheep in the fields at night. And the most intelligent of all men, the most learned of all men, the Magi from Persia, thousands of miles away, their job became unified that evening. And their job was this, worship. In those passages that we read, each one of these parties worshipped Christ that night. That's what they came there for, to worship the newborn king who would lie in a manger. And they they not only had a job, but they brought a gift. Their gift that night was worship. So when we think about Christmas, our mind goes to gifts. And why is it that we as 
Christians? And why is it that even we as a secular culture, why is it that me as an eight-year-old boy sat in that window looking out over the snow and my mind was drawn to gifts? Gifts, gifts. It's because Christmas is all about gifts. It's all about God giving us the greatest gift in the form of His Son with flesh on who would later grow and He would would live to die in order to take away our sins. He gave us a gift we didn't deserve. And on that night, these three parties came together and their gift to Christ the child was worship. But for each one of these couples or these individuals, their worship had a very unique flavor. Let me share with you what I mean by that. For Mary and Joseph, it was sacrifice. That was their job. That was their gift. That was their worship. They had, think about Mary's condition. A young girl who was betrothed and all of a sudden found out that she was pregnant. The reason that that year existed between betrothal and marriage was to prove oneself virtuous. That was not going according to plan now. And what it could have gotten her was the very end of her own life. According to the Old Testament law, if the community desired, they could have stoned her to death for being with child and not being finalized in her marriage to her husband. The sacrifice for Mary was very clear. But the sacrifice for Joseph was also very great. Here is one who is not his biological son, and God has called this man to raise this child as his own. And not only raise just a boy as his own, but to Rick, can you imagine the pressure? Dad's in the room, can you imagine the pressure? God comes to you in a dream and says, I'm asking you to raise my son. He's not yours, he's my son, but I'm asking you to raise him as your own. Joseph would now sacrifice all the years that he had left in his life to pour into this young baby. Joseph and Mary's life would be nothing but sacrifice at this point. Sacrifice of comfort, sacrifice of the journey that they thought they had together as a married couple, now much different. They were going to pay a very high and willing price in raising this child. But their sacrifice was that of obedience. The shepherds, they worshipped, yes, but their worship took on the flavor of sharing. At the end of Luke's account of Christ's birth, it says that Mary pondered up, stored up all these things in her heart. She treasured these things. That's how we know that Luke's gospel is accurate. Because Luke spoke with Mary, Mary had remembered all the details of the birth of her son and shared this with Luke, the author. And he wrote these things down. But one of the things we learn from this account is it said that the shepherds went away and they proclaimed this great thing that they had witnessed. They had proclaimed the birth of the Christ child. They just didn't come together and celebrate in a sort of holy huddle or a a candlelight service, but... They left that place and they went and they told the world the good news about the arrival of God's Son. They worshipped Christ by offering a message of hope to others. That's Christmas. But for the Magi or the wise men, their gift was a little more practical, wasn't it? It was tangible stuff. I mean... Who among us wouldn't have loved to have been in the hospital room and some strange people show up 
and just start heaping pounds of gold at the feet of the mom and dad who just gave birth that day. I mean, I wouldn't turn them away. Sure. Give me your gifts of gold. That's cool. And while you're at it, here's some very expensive spices, some wonderful incense. Again, very expensive, unique stuff. Their worship was a gift that was practical, tangible, and they laid it down at the feet of the Christ child. They too worshipped. And they too risked something very important. See, it said, Herod told them, hey, when you go find the Christ child, come back to me and I want you to tell me where he's at. Because I want to go worship him too. Worship to Herod meant something completely different than what worship meant to these three parties. Worship to Herod meant, I want to know where he's at because I want to kill any opposing king that would stand against me. There is a real sacrifice and a risk involved in these wise men being here and the choice they made immediately after to be obedient and go another way rather than bring threat upon this family. So, this Christmas Eve, I was reminded not only of God's gift to us, and this is God's gift to us. John chapter 3 tells us this. It said, For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but will have everlasting life. God loved us so much that He sent His Son into the world in the form and very flesh of a human being so that whoever believes in Him, what does that mean to believe in Him? We just simply say, you are the Son of God. You are the only Savior of the world. You're the only hope I have for everlasting life. A person comes to Christ and they say, my flesh is broken. My flesh is sinful. I just can't seem to put a perfect day together. 365 days a year, I fail 365 times. I need you to make me perfect. God sent His Son into the world to do exactly that. Thirty-some years later, He would hang on a cross, and that flesh that God put on Him, that sweet, beautiful... You've felt baby's flesh before, haven't you? A newborn baby's flesh? I mean, it is the most miraculous, amazing thing that same flesh one day would be hanging on a cross and it would be pierced and crushed for our sin. The Bible says for our iniquities. That's God's gift to us. That if we believe on Him, we might be saved. But God in each, reminded me that in each of these acts of worship, these three people, Joseph and Mary, the Magi, and the shepherds, They fulfilled their God-given jobs. We think that our jobs are get up on Monday, go to work, uh, pay the bills, you know, do whatever the boss tells us. That's our job. But as followers of Christ, we have an even greater job. And it looks exactly like these three. Obedience, sharing, giving, and sacrificing. That's our Christmas this year. It should be a reminder to all of us. We come together and we celebrate. We love the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the gift that He gave us. And it should prompt us to ask the question, 
What gift do I lay down for Him? We have nothing that He needs, mind you. But in us, He wants to do a great work through us laying down our gifts. This Christmas, we're all going to unwrap gifts. I would assume at some point in time we will unwrap gifts. What gift will God unwrap from you? Will it look like sharing His love with somebody who needs to hear it? Will it look like obeying even when it's difficult? Will it look like doing the sacrificial or difficult thing on His behalf? Will it look like giving tangibly to Him? This, these should be in us because when Christ came into the world, they were in Him. These very things. Obedience, sharing, giving, and sacrificing. Let me just read a couple really quick verses to you as we close on this thought. This comes from Paul's words in Philippians chapter 2. This is what he said about those who would follow after Christ. He said this, Have this mind among yourselves. This is our Christmas challenge this year. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. That's Christmas, mind you. Christmas is when Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What Jesus did on that first Christmas was to give of Himself. He literally gave of Himself. He emptied Himself. He sacrificed. He humbled Himself. Just a little side note. I found out something new this year. I was in, um, uh, I was in a, uh, a community in, in the Jezreel Valley of Israel and they were unearthing a, a tell. A, a, it's an old ancient town that has layers to it. You know, through the centuries, towns have been built upon towns and they were going digging down deeper and deeper. And it was the place where Solomon had kept his stables. And they began to unearth these stables and in these stables they were finding all the feeding troughs for the animals. And you say, well, how in the world would they unearth feeding troughs? Because mangers, feeding troughs, weren't made of wood. They were made of stone. Our Savior was not placed into a, a, a wooden basket. Our Savior was placed into a cold stone slab. That's where His parents had to lay. That's how, that's how quickly He had gone from glory to humility. All for our sake and benefit. So let's be like the shepherds. We worship the Christ child. We leave in joy. We work out our beautiful salvation. And we share. And most importantly this evening, we don't just share in the world. We shine in the world. Christ was the light of the world. Light had come into the world on Christmas night. 
Paul went on in Philippians 2 to say this about the church. He's saying this about us. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul said, work out your salvation. Live a life so worthy of the gospel that you shine like stars in the world. And just a little, if you think, oh, that can't be me, I can't do that. The world that we live in is a crooked and twisted culture and generation. If we just simply obey and, 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 and make the slightest effort to look like Christ this Christmas, I guarantee you, you will stand out in the world. You will shine brightly. And people will say, what's different about that? What's different about you? And then just like the shepherds, you'll have opportunity to say, hey, let me tell you what's so great about Christmas. God gave me His Son. God gave us His Son. And just like He told the shepherds, there is now peace between God and man. No longer does sin separate us. God has broken down the barriers of sin and Christmas tells us that we can now know Him and experience His love, and most importantly, experience His forgiveness and His peace. So as we dwell on that idea of shining like lights in the world, and we think about Christ being the light of the world, I'm going to ask Billy and Steve to come forward. And we're going to light our candles. Now, if you have little ones, for the risk of running for the fire extinguisher, I would ask you that you would parent accordingly. Uh, keep a close eye on those with uh, open flame. You know, we can make a big difference even if you're just one person. The shepherds went that night and they proclaimed the good news, the things that they had witnessed, they began immediately to fulfill what Paul talked about, shining as lights in the world. We come as people with just one candle, but then we tell somebody. And we tell another person. And those people begin to tell others, like the shepherds did.